배는 What's going on, everyone? Before we start this restaurant fiction episode, my producers tell me that we have to do a call to action. Well, I've got pretty much nothing except this. Email me at monis at restaurantfiction.com. That's spelled M-O-N-I-S at R-E-S-T-A-U-R-A-N-T-F-I-C-T-I-O-N.com. You can also DM me, direct message me on Instagram. That is at Restaurant Fiction. Honestly, whether you've listened since the beginning, in the middle, or this episode is your first one, I mean, shoot, you could have just listened for five milliseconds for all we care. Let me know who you are. What's your favorite film or TV series with a fictional restaurant bar and club? Uh, You are a part of this restaurant fiction community and we value you. I am very, very gracious personally uh, right now and throughout the rest of time. Uh, Let me know what your best part of restaurant fiction is. What is your worst? When did you tune out? Was it me? Yes. Was it me, the host? Was it the guest? The stuff about the food, the writing, the producing, the part on Hollywood. You know, you won't uh, hurt our feelings. You won't hurt my feelings. I'm okay. Anyway, today's episode is with my dear friend, Ryan Kemp. We met way back when at a WGA writers conference. He's worked closely with the acclaimed showrunner Bill Lawrence. And he knows a thing or two about the Detroit bar, Black Eyes Bar, from the TV show Undateable. Here is our review of the Detroit Institution and our chat with Ryan Kemp. Go. Guys, welcome back to another review, another episode of Restaurant Fiction. This is Monis Rose. I'm talking to Ryan Kemp. Before we get into uh, why Ryan is here and all of that, Restaurant Fiction, we went to Michigan. That's right. We went all the way to Detroit. We like Detroit. How many people actually say they like Detroit? Yes, to us, Detroit is is fucking awesome. Can I say fuck on my own podcast? Yes, I can say fuck on my own fucking podcast. All right. Can I say fuck on your podcast? Oh, you can say whatever you want. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Detroit, guys, it's not just the city. It's not just the eight-mile Eminem whatever. Like, get that out of your head. There's a place called Farmdale, I believe. Farmdale, right? Farmdale. Yeah, that's one of the... It's on Woodward. It's on like Woodward in the nine mile, not the eight mile, the nine mile. So we went all the way to this suburb and it is a suburb and it's kind of, it's been a little uh, hipsterized over the years and we wanted to go for this bar. This bar is called the Black 
Eye Bar. Not Black Guys Bar, the Black Eye Bar. It's safe. Um, when you go in, you're going to see some fake Chesterfield lounges. You're going to see the cliched, oh, Detroit Pistons, Detroit Tigers, Detroit uh, Lions, all that kind of memorabilia. You're going to see some of the old Fords, you know, the pictures of the old Fords and the Chevys hanging up. But we really weren't, we really didn't uh, find any of that really enchanting. What we found enchanting was that this bar was chill. What did I mean by chill? Okay, so it's not a sports bar. There's no sports TVs. It's not a dive bar chill where you're going to get these like old, you know, drunkards uh, just drinking away. It's just chill. It's chill with a group of people who just want to talk about their horrible dating experiences. Actually, guys... (laughs) I'm kidding. We didn't go to the Black Guy Bar at all for those reasons. We went for the music. We went to see Weezer. That's right. They were playing a secret show. We went. We flew Southwest. We saw them. Oh, yeah. And also, there was a little breakdancing competition, too. And guess what? Did we leave happy? No, we left having the best time of our lives. And that is the Black Guy Bar. Ryan! What did you think? What did we get right? What did we get wrong? What do, what do you want to add and contribute? Uh, it is, it's a uh, black eyes. Black so, eyes. Black eyes. Black eyes. Eyes. Okay. Which is you know based on the the joke you know black eyes, black eyes, black eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's Ferndale. Ferndale, not Farmdale. And, you know, and I actually had to look it up too. I'm like, because Farmdale sounded wrong. I have a lot of, well, not a lot of friends, but like there was a lot of connection to Detroit because the line producer, Randall Winston, was from Detroit. The executive, you know, or the creator, I'm sorry, uh, Adam Stekiel, he was from Detroit. Uh, I have family in Michigan. Um, so, you know, it's basically, you know, the, the perfect storm there of uh, Detroit. Um, but yeah, we wanted to center on, you know, like, uh, wait, I might be getting ahead of myself here. Um, no, do it. Do it. You can just talk. Just okay, go with great. the flow, man. We're good. Yeah, we wanted to center on something that's not prestigious, just regular people and figure what what's more, you know, America, what's more American than Detroit. And uh, so we focus on, we're like, you know, Detroit needs some, some help right now, too. So. Yeah, we'll it's it not there. just the... You know, the eight mile or Catherine Bigelow version of Detroit. No. And, uh, God, I don't know if you've been to Detroit lately. I haven't been lately, but I went to see the Buffalo Bills play there. It's the first time I've ever seen Buffalo Bills win. Um, it was pretty magical for me because I'm a huge Buffalo Bills fan because I'm from Rochester, New York. But the first, and, and me and my family, we have a tradition where we go and watch the Bills lose at a different stadium every year. So this was uh, this was nice because the first time I ever saw them win. But they have a, it's a beautiful downtown complex. They're they're getting better. It's not as I mean there are a lot of abandoned houses still and a lot of dilapidated areas. Um, and it sucks because like politicians, you know, even when we were working on Datable, like there were still politicians taking advantage, and the whole Flint water crisis happened. You know, we would always advertise or not advertise. We'd always put something different on the chalkboard. If you watch the intros to Undateable especially on Dateable Live, 
we do a different intro every time and uh, there would always be something written in the chalkboard. One time it said, our hearts are with you, Flint. Um, so, you know, we wanted to pay homage to Michigan, to Detroit, to that area, you know, at the same time of, you know, making an awesome TV show. Speaking of undateable, what are some of uh, your funnest memories about undateable and working on it? Undateable was what I had in mind when I was in Rochester deciding, should I move to LA? Like that's what I had imagined like to be a writer. It was crazy. Like all hours of the night, all the time, you know, working with like these huge names, you know, we had all these like musicians on the show and it was crazy. And, uh, it was a lot of fun and it got goofy and it was, it was a fun experience. What was the question? Specific fun memory. Yeah. Okay. So let me see. How about Weezer playing my episode? That was pretty cool. And, uh, or that, that, that episode was called what? Uh, it was Johnny boys bar. No, it was the Danny's boys. Yeah. And boys is spelled B O Y Z. Yeah. Because in the episode, Danny and the, the rest of the crew from undateable had to form a dance team to get Brett's sweater back. It's a really fun episode, and I know it doesn't sound like it makes sense right now, but watch the episode. You'll laugh. It's probably the most fun I've had on a TV show. It was definitely not easy. Bill Lawrence, the creator, also the creator of Scrubs, Cougar Town, Spin City, many other great shows. Uh, he was in charge. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Because, like, we would throw things into the live tapings, like, just to, like, mess not mess with people, but, you know, to build an obstacle in that we had to overcome. And not just, you know, I'm sure that the viewers didn't really understand a lot of it or maybe they didn't catch it, but when we were on stage and we're like, okay, we're going to do a day change in this five-minute bumper, it's like that means the background, the 80s had to change out the background, the props people had to come in and set, you know, redress the set, and the costume people had to make these tearaway costumes so people would know it's a day change in five seconds. And that was, and everybody was just so up for it and it was a challenge and it was extra hours and it was extra work, but it was cool. Like it was, we we're trying to achieve something greater than, you know, just like that's going into our jobs. You know, it was, it was fun. And we couldn't have done that if it wasn't for Bill's leadership, which I think is the most important thing about a showrunner. You know, how did the cast take it? Did they, the, the cast like it? Cause like in your, you know, it's interesting cause watching your episode, you really see, you get that really live feel just as a viewer, just almost as if you're watching Saturday Night Live, but it's actually a sitcom in terms of the liveness of it. You know, the, the natural that's, it's real. There, yes, there will be moments, say an editor can fix, but really, you know, if an actor flubs on the line, he or she has to trust their fellow actors to help him out of that situation, you know, with improv or what have you. Well, here's the thing about the cast that was so cool. And Bill and Adam actually, like, the project didn't, almost didn't go uh, because of casting. But they worked through it and they figured it out. And they basically went out to all the comedy clubs and watched comedians and found this group of friends, uh, Chris D'Elia, Brent Morin, Rick Glassman, and, uh, you know, uh, Ron Funches. And they put them all together. And so they already had an existing chemistry. And it was just magical. And then we added uh, Bridget Mendler. And she was, just, 
she's a star. Like she was so funny and so talented and such like, she just like jumped right in, didn't miss a beat. Like, I think everybody was like that. The cast, when we decided we we're going to go live, they were just like, screw it. Yeah. Let's jump. You know, everybody was just like, hold your nose and jump and, you know, close your eyes. And that's what, that's what every show was like. So the cast already had a lot of experience with being on stage and doing stuff live. Cause they play to the audience. You know, that's what they're used to. They're standup comedians by trade, you know, actors secondhand. So it, it actually, I think added to the quality of the show and, and them doing it. I mean, all the shows were taped in front of a live audience anyway, but doing it live, live, I think just that extra like energy from, you know, it's like anxiety can be, you know, you can manifest in any way, but they manifest like when you do it live and with that group of people and with the product we had and the coaching, you know, and the leadership and all the confidence and all the work, everybody behind it and always just the positive attitude, that anxiety just turned into this amazing energy. And I th- really think we capitalized on it. And if you watch my episode, they cut and it's live, they cut to outside. So literally the cast is in one room. We, there's another set of cameras we shift over to this other set of cameras filming this other scene while the rest of the guys run outside. The camera crew runs outside following them. They have a whole scene outside and then they all run back in. And we did live flashbacks. Like if you go back and watch it, it's really just a, just a fun, like creative inspiration for what can you do? Like what else can we do? You know, the, the average sitcom, the, um, the regular sitcom, it's very tried and true. And it's very, uh, it's almost like an institution. You know, it's very compartmentalized. The live episodes really allowed us to just try a lot of fun things and really experiment with TV again, which I, I don't know if has been done for a while. What would you order and to eat and drink at the Black Eyes Bar? You know, they have that, uh, that fish fry. It's pretty good. The fish fry. Gosh, if you, I can't remember it right now, but if you go back and look at the menu, actually, uh, crew members, there's a lot of sandwiches and stuff like that named after crew members and stuff. So they're all like inside jokes every week. We have our amazing art department to thank for those Easter eggs. So if you see something in the, on the menu, if you go and look at the IMDb to like see who worked on that, that episode, it's probably one of their names. Oh. And tell me about this bar. Oh, and to, it- to drink, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. To drink at Black Eyes Bar, it was actually a functioning bar. So every Friday night on the lot of Warner Brothers, Undateable was the place to be because not only do we have an open bar aside, but after the show was over, we would have like whoever played music that day or, or that show would play some songs. Sometimes we had karaoke and we'd open up black eyes bar and we'd have beer. The, the, the taps actually worked with drinks. And it was just a really, really fun time. Like people from other shows, executives would come over, agents would show up, you know, like I said, I'm going to say this about 5,000 more times on this because Weezer played my episode. I'm still trying to get that when it was the backstreet boys, like, Everybody wanted to be at Undateable. It was so cool. We were the cool kid. You know, <laughs> like all the other shows taping on Friday night, they would come over, executives, agents, people we didn't know, like other actors, you know, just, just to hang out. 
to hang out and have beer at Black Eyes Bar after a show. You know, it's interesting because I haven't heard that in a long time since Cheers. I think Cheers was the last time, just in terms of Hollywood talk, of like an actual working bar on a set. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That every other, you know, pub or bar featured, yeah, it's just a fake bar, you know, it's not real or anything like that. What did they, do you remember what they had on draft or no? Usually by Friday nights, I had had about a total of 14 hours of sleep throughout the whole week and uh, taking a lot of Adderall. Uh, so my brain was pretty warped on a Friday night. Nice. So I don't recall what they had on tap. It nice. tasted like beer. So beer. I drank Hopefully it. It was excellent. It yeah. was cold and it was delicious. A couple shots of whiskey and yes. uh, yeah, it was delicious. Uh, it was a great bar. I mean, karaoke, live music, good cheap beer, a lot of a lot of uh, sports memorabilia. It was it was a solid Detroit bar. What makes like okay, so the show was in a way centered on around this bar. What makes a bar or even a restaurant pop on the page? Like in terms of writing. So as a writer, I want to make a bar stand out. I want to make a restaurant stand out. How do I do that? You know, I mean, obviously the Black Eyes Bar stands out. It's here's the thing: it, it stands out by not standing out. And that sounds really pretentious and Hollywoody, but it is. It's a dive, and we make mention several times that it's not super successful. It's a group of regulars, you know, and that's a lot of times we find out. I mean, that's what Cheers was. And that's a lot of times we find out that, you know, that's who we are. That's who our family is. The people we spend our time with was that Thor Ragnarok. They were just like, you know, home isn't a place. It's an idea. You know, there's something special about dives. I feel like, you know, you're not getting the same vibe from a dive as you are from, you know, Applebee's, you know, you go to the starlight room in North Hollywood, you know, a place that has wall to wall carpeting and only takes cash. You know, those places are littered all over the USA and there's character there. You know, it's not something you subscribe to. It's something you're there and you're you. And you know what? This is a place where you can chill out and do that. Like you don't have to order like, you know, your jalapeno poppers and, you know, uh, whatever, a chimichanga margarita. I don't know. It's like... The chimichanga margarita. Yeah. It's, I mean... There's a lot of stuff commercial and it's hard to, you know, we're all just trying to find our identity and, you know, this is a place that doesn't have an identity. Its identity is the people who make it, who are there. In your opinion, how important is a manager or agent in your career? Like, you know, it's it's just interesting. Um, so many young writers think a manager and agent is the be all end all. And, Whereas many of the guests on this podcast say have actually just done a deal or sold a show themselves and just called a lawyer. I mean, you know, so like what would love your opinion and expertise on that? I think, I think by the time you need, a, by the time you need an agent or lawyer, you'll have one. I have not reached out to a lot of agents because I'm not sure. 
<laughs> this is going to sound so dumb. I'm not sure I want to do all that yet. I don't want to write stuff other people want. Yeah. I'm still where I want to write my own stuff. And by the time that's good enough to get out there, I think people will have noticed. And that's just me. I mean, a lot of people are not of that mindset. They just want to like get there and start writing other people's stuff or write stuff other people want to, um, to do that. But I'm, I don't know. I'm not, not in a hurry. I know I've been out here 12 years, but I'm having a really good time. I've had super successful career, uh, not really financially, but I've gotten to work with like the best people and the worst people and, uh, so much smarter than I'm just having a really good time writing and living in Southern California. Well, it's beautiful. Absolutely. And no, and I mean, you know, success isn't about the money. I mean, it's, it's about learning the experience and just living, living life and being happy, man. Yeah. And, and, and obviously what it was happiness and it's, that's everyone's individual uh, definition, just like success is. I mean, you know, if, if happy is, you know, freedom, like what you're saying in the most beautiful city, one of the most beautiful cities in America, then God bless man. Right. Before we started recording, we talked about say like maybe one day you want to run your own show, whether or not it's your actual something that you created or something that the network just gives you to run. How would you run your show? You have already had vast experience in many different writers rooms and have met different showrunners. How would you run though yours? Troop welfare and camaraderie is a big one for me. So I would try to build, I mean, I have a background in the Marine Corps, did four years. Uh, It was awesome. Recommend it. Semper Fi. Hoorah. You learn, you don't know it at the time, but you really do learn a lot of things you don't, like you don't see a lot in the real world. A lot of that is troop welfare and camaraderie, just being a leader. And I think I would bring a lot of that to the room and just making sure we're all on the same team. Because I've seen a lot of writers' rooms, unfortunately, where everybody was just kind of on their own program or their own interests. But I've heard a lot of people say, not my job and stuff like that. And I don't see it that way because I feel like we're all on the same team and the team is the show. And we got to do the best version of that. And so it's not just a job to me. It's a, it's a privilege that we're all in this together. Ryan, thank you. If you want to know more about Ryan and his awesome and hilarious projects he creates, go to his website, ryankemp.com. That is spelled R-Y-A-N-K-E-M-P.com. You'll learn all about him as well as Cats, Rochester, New York, cooking, and comedy. It's the intersection to awesomeness. As for us at Restaurant Fiction, let us know who you are. Like we said at the beginning, direct message us on Instagram. That is at Restaurant Fiction. Or email me personally. I'm Monis Rose and my email is Monis, M-O-N-I-S, at restaurantfiction.com. Want to know who you are, what you're working on, and what's your favorite fictional restaurant? We'll start with that and then go on from there. Love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it real, keep it fresh, and always keep it on the flip side. Cut to exterior, interior, restaurant, bar.
Thank you.